Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the The Blue Blue and and White White Brothers. (laughs) Two brothers. Two takes. One team. Hey, bro. uh, Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year, and the end is finally here. Not that we're <laughs> the happy, long, slow, <laughs> happy ag- about it, but uh, here oh we are, man. Gosh. We made it yeah. through our second season of Blue and White Brothers, and uh, how, how do you feel about it? Yeah, how do you feel well, about the second season of a podcast that we never dreamed up until COVID hit. That's true. It's a great question, um, and I would say my answer is different than how I feel about the Penn State season. But um, about our podcast season, yeah, I feel good. I mean, hey, we got some uh, we got some uh, great participation from our um, from our audience this year uh, with some some mailbag. We got some fun little ditties, and uh, yeah, we had some wins to enjoy along the way. Um, not as many toward the second half of the season as I would have liked, but uh, almost yeah. none. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that okay, in a great. little bit. But um, you know, here we are. Um, January 11th, it is uh, well into the new year. Uh, I'm in uh, central Maryland, and we are having our coldest stretch of uh, weather in the last three years. It's a high of 25 degrees today right now, and um, you're up in PA, and I'm sure it's a little chilly where you are. Well, I only just got back to PA. It's chilly here, but um, I I mean, I I, (laughs) I was trying to get in mom and dad's car last night because I just flew in from Mexico. I was on vacation for a week. That's why we didn't give you this podcast uh, after Penn State's bowl game. Um, well, that and we just didn't have the heart to talk about it. Yeah, it was pretty sad. <laughs> right away. It was a pretty sad ending <laughs> to a sad season. Um, but um, so I had spent the last week in um, in Mexico, just south of Cancun, Riviera Maya, one of those you know all inclusive resorts. Me and my girlfriend uh, wanted to detach from you know the, the the busy season that was her end of her year, and just of course you know anytime you can get to mexico when it's uh by we flew out of philadelphia and literally when we landed in mexico uh the northeast had just gotten blanketed with a bunch of snow and some cold weather and we were just living it up drinking you know beverages on the beach and enjoying 80 degree weather and sun and we fly back to one of the coldest uh snaps that the northeast has seen recently in recent years in fact it was the coldest days at the philadelphia airport that they've had in three years so we were landing during freezing rain happened like significant freezing rain was happening happening back in Lewisburg where my parents live um, so I, I was trying to use their car last night um, to go to the gym and I couldn't get the door open because there was a solid sheet of ice over the entire <laughs> oh <my> thing gosh. <laughs> You know, so so that's what that's what's going on around here. But um, oh, yeah, so, so how how was that? How was that uh, little Mexican getaway? I mean, it was everything that anyone who hasn't been recently to Mexico could imagine it would be. And not did, a care did it in the world. Soothe your soul after that. Certainly, pathetic. Yeah, New Year's Day performance. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was good great. for you, man. It was great. I had a great time. You know. Um, Mexican and, trips for all of our blue and white fan base. Well, you know, yeah, we we <laughs> booked the trip literally days before we were even going to be going, and 
you know, uh, all, all of our friends and family is like, oh, be careful. Mexico's dangerous. And, um, you know, uh, you, you know, you hear there was like shootings on the beaches from like uh, potential like Mexican cartel uh, drug lords that were, you know, on jet skis just opening fire on the beaches. And you're like, oh, my gosh, oh, you should be careful. And it's like, yeah, I know uh, you have to be careful anywhere you go. Literally the same week that that was going on, there were like like um obliterating uh fires it, just north of where i live in colorado um and i don't mean like you know ta- you know like a, a, an hour north i'm talking like 20 minutes 15 minutes drive north of where i live in lakewood colorado there were a thousand homes that burned to the ground and and at, and right before that there was a shooting at the 7-eleven within eyesight of my front door <laughs> like so it's like if i should be careful should i be careful here here or in Mexico? Uh, how about both places? You know, because you know, I think we all need to move to say I don't know, Idaho, <laughs> Montana. Oh, that's where well, that's where the real danger is, Andy. <laughs> and just 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 find a couple hundred acres and and hunker down there for the next couple decades. Idaho is the last frontier in the lower forty-eight for sure. Um, not that I would mind that, to be honest, but, um, yeah, but you know, to your point, uh, yeah, it's everywhere and, uh, we don't need to let it stop us from enjoying the, uh, the wonderful things about other places in the world. I'm, I'm really excited for you. Um, and, um, yeah, man, welcome back and, uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about, um, what we're going to be doing today. Uh, this is going to be our last episode of the season and um we're gonna cut, do a couple things we'll start with news and notes and we're gonna we're gonna sort of tuck the penn state arkansas game into the news and notes as part of the bowl season recap um also part of news and notes we're gonna bring you up to date with some of the penn state personnel and roster changes that uh, have happened since we uh lasted an episode and then we're gonna uh finish our news and notes by um talking about uh, some penn staters in the nfl which we really haven't done this year but uh, as as NFL's heading to their playoffs, um, yeah, we're going to talk about some of the some of the players that are making um, you know making waves in the NFL. Uh, then we'll switch gears with a mailbag, uh, our last mailbag of the season. Uh, we've got a true and false coming from Joel Bettner, so we'll get to that. And then we're going to wrap up, and um, we really don't have a lot outlined. It's just going to be a more of a, an open conversation between me and Tom on the state of Penn State, and that's how we're going to close today. So, um, without any further ado, news and notes. All right. Well, let's jump in to bowl season and. Um, you know, just wrapped up last night with the national title game. Uh, if you don't know, Alabama lost to Georgia in the rematch. And, um, I, you know, I know Georgia, I guess, was a three-point favorite, but it sure felt like an upset to me when Georgia came out with that win, bro. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just was anticipating seeing Nick Saban get his uh, lucky number eighth national title. Um, and, you know, he had never lost to one of his assistants before, ever. So this is a first for him to, to lose to Kirby Smart as assistant. Um, but, d- dude, Georgia's defense that didn't show up in the um, SEC title game came out in a big way in this game, and they throttled um, from the jump. They throttled uh, Bryce Young 
early, often, and relentlessly throughout the game. He he had a couple of stretches where things were working a little bit, um, but they lost a wide receiver on a big play, uh, and that means they were down two of their star wide receivers from uh, from earlier, from when um, John Mechie went down, which I, I believe was in the SEC title game, and then um, then they lost uh, Jamison Williams last night um, during that a, a big their biggest play pass play of the of the day. And uh, yeah, it's tough. It's tough if you're the freshman, you know, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, and you don't have two of your biggest pieces, and you got to play the best defense uh, in college football, and maybe one of the best defenses of all time in college football potentially. So yeah, it's a tough, tough draw for um, Alabama to to have to you know weather that storm in a big game like that. Yeah, uh, for uh, a second time in just a few weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. Hard to beat a, hard to beat a team twice, you know? Um, and especially twice in such a short period of time. Um, so I, you know, give credit to both those teams. It was kind of a boring game, in my opinion. Um, for most of the game at the end, it got a little exciting. Uh, but, you know, an, SC, an all-SEC title game is, you know, you have two states that, you know, are next to each other down there in the southeast that are uh, neighbors that are, <laughs> you know, any everybody else that's just tuning in, they're just tuning in because it's the last college football game and that they can watch until next season, more or less. You know, yeah, I I think that a lot of the draw. I mean, you know, one of the, your classic title games of all time has got to be like the Texas USC game. It's you know, uh, different conferences, different regions of the country, you know, different. Um, Cultures, different traditions, you know, and and certainly the game itself. Or Penn State, Miami, in eighty uh, exactly, know, exactly. And so here you have basically, uh, you know, a reprise of the SEC title game. I mean, it's just you know been there, done that, it, you know, and the game itself. Uh, by the way, I didn't even watch the game. I did not watch the game. He I sort of got got the score updates that was going along, but like uh, <laughs> I was playing uh, video games with my son last. Oh night. yeah, <laughs> you playing I mean, FIFA? Yep, totally. He's who was winning? The, who was winning? Uh, oh, he destroys me. So, by the way, okay, without right. mercy. So and you, you substituted one football for another football. Yeah, it's a good, it's fun. You know, he's 16. I enjoy spending time with him in that way and um, sort of become an, a nightly ritual after work and homework is done. Um, yeah, just, I mean, neither of us felt like watching the game. And so so we played. I got beat as I normally do. I think <laughs> I think he's on a 20-game winning streak right Jeez, now. <laughs> you might want to bone up on your skills. Uh, you know what? In, in, the, in the grand scheme of... <laughs> <laughs> of, of things I have to do, sure. like learning how to get better at vi- video game soccer is just—it's just not one of them. So, uh, strangely <laughs> Keen, enough, on the other hand, has a lot of free time sure. to, to bone up on his skills. Sure. So that, that's part of he it. He has—he sure. has all of his utilities and bills being paid for by the man that doesn't have time to get better at exactly. that that game. You know, sure. and I was actually—it's funny—I was just thinking last night. Um, <laughs> You know, like when he was young, you know, four, five, six, seven, or whatever, and we would play games, whether it's chess or something in the backyard. It's like as a parent, like in order to keep a kid engaged, do you let the, you let them win sometimes? You know what I mean? Like, and not to he, make a now he good does about not them. let you win. There's well, no and I'm thinking to myself, win. you know what? The guy could let me win every now and then. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, no, all that to say, it was. It, it, um, it just wasn't interesting to me. It was boring. Um, and, Losing and at FIFA was more interesting to you. 
Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, spending time with my son (laughs) in any case. I'm kidding. But, but, um, you know, I, I do, and we can get into this maybe toward the end of this segment, but, uh, there's some, there's some real issues with the way college football, uh, bowl season uh, championship is, is working out. and um, We, we it, don't like the, how ESPN has, has uh, oh, they've, stream, they've streamlined it for their own purposes. They've ruined the fun of bowl season, in my opinion. Well, uh, not the least of which the, is because they're, uh, they're, you know, they're so thin on their uh, commentator you know, right. ranks. You're getting that, that, like, you get, uh, C, so, C squad, D squad, F squad. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It, you know, it just it loses. It's lost a lot of its luster. Well, you know, mind. you you made the point at least via uh, text to me um, and the boys uh, that you know Monday night eight p.m. Like, how is that? You know, you know, holding into the tradition of college January ninth for yeah. crying out. No, now. no, not ninth, eleventh. Or tenth, yeah, need, I guess or tenth. What's today? Today's the eleventh. So yesterday yeah, so was, was the 10th. January tenth. You know, it's like so. Yeah, I mean, it's just like there's nothing special about it other than the fact it's the last two teams standing. And like, I mean, I I was going to bed before the game was over. You know, I mean, it it even though I wasn't watching the game, it's sure. Like it's just past a lot of people's. I mean, my kids' bedtime. Other than well, they're teenagers now, so they stay up later than me. But up until a couple of years ago, my kids are going to bed at like nine, ten o'clock, right? right. So, so you know, this is the biggest night you want to cultivate. You know, the next generation fans, and you're going to put this on a school night, super late. Like, are you kidding me? It's just, it's well, just really so foolish. In the, my mind. and the other thing that they 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 do with it is they elongate every commercial they elongate uh, the halftime yeah. and they they were like playing Katy Perry music videos like they were premiering them during halftime it's like wh- what, what is going is on right it's, now it's just <laughs> it's, it's it's really it's too, it's too long it's too much they they've overcorporatized it um in a lot of ways and i understand that that's you know hey money's to be made and they're that's what they're doing they're bringing it to bigger audiences i guess but uh my dad you know dad, i watched it with dad last night at least the second half i was at the gym for the first half and i he's like he's like why isn't this on abc like why isn't this broadcast I, totally you know what well, i mean so, they did that they did that with the the um the semifinal games as well. It was all on ESPN. It was not on broadcast. They did it with most of the um, New Year's Six games that they were on cable and not on broadcast. I mean, yeah. And you're talking. I mean, you think about this too. I mean, I, I mentioned about um, you know younger children who can't have access to the game. You've got a lot of people in urban centers who can't afford uh, you know cable packages. But but right. st- I mean, I still get my. Television. You utilize your my broadcast TV, and I mean, how many millions of people are locked out of being able to watch the game because you're you're putting it on cable? It's to me, it's your. Do we sound like? Old annoyed yes. college football totally fans. We totally sound like old <laughs> annoyed old fans. But, but but like we're not. I don't think so. I think they're legitimate gripes. I we want to enjoy the game more. That's yeah. what we want to. We want to enjoy well, the game. And here's more. the other not thing, the, by the way. Here's the other thing. Clown about, show that comes with it about you know putting it on cable because like. Uh, because of cable, a lot of people are going to access it by streaming. Um, I've got streaming, you know, uh, subscriptions and things like that, but. ESPN still hasn't figured out how to keep their streaming signal on these big games yeah. from crashing. Like, yeah. you know, when I was watching the they, semifinal they get games, all they get all jumbled and oh, they get totally. all totally. They yeah, can't handle it, the bandwidth. Either. It happened. It happened. It happens every year. 
why why don't you just games. put it on broadcast and take yeah. take you know a huge percentage of those folks who would otherwise be streaming? I was and at the watch gym it watching it's it ridiculous. on my iPad, streaming it through ESPN app through Wi-Fi, and multiple times during the stream, it just became like super, you know, low res, super low res, super pixelated, super pixelated, and I had to like close out the app and then reopen it. It's like, did I just miss a play? I don't know, but like it's very frustrating. Yeah, and when you, it's a you, high frustration experience. Yeah, for sure, and it's not a, it's not a great app. We know that, but uh. Whatever. We can't change it. We can just gripe about it. But let's move on. Georgia move on. wins their national <laughs> title. First one since 1980. Oh, by which, the way, a, a walk-on, a former walk-on beats a five-star Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, Stetson figure. Bennett go led, led Georgia. And and by the way, their own fans didn't even, like, you know, didn't believe in Stetson this guy. This, <laughs> yeah, this season at times. Even. <laughs> totally. To start the year, they, they all were like, you know, we want the JT Daniels uh, transfer coming in from, from USC. He should be leading them. And it's like, of all the quarterbacks that Georgia's had recently, you, know, you talk about the Jake Fromms, you talk about the, uh, the Justin Fields, uh, a, a former walk-on JUCO player. Is the one that leads them, and by the way, he looked great at times. He looked he looked a little, um, you know, out of sorts a few times early on. But like when the game was on the line, he was throwing touchdowns in the second or the well the second half of the fourth quarter. He was throwing touchdown passes and making so, plays. So hats off to Georgia, and this also occurred to me. By the way, the team that was number one almost the entire season ended up winning the championship so thanks for nothing yeah. <laughs> you know in yeah. the season of of up of disruptions and surprises you end up with the two top SEC teams and the team who was number one most of the season winning it all so you know uh, so much for for changing the narrative parody um, and all that <laughs> I, you know I, there were some interesting I, I, I thought overall the bowl season was subpar. Um, well, you have all the opt-outs, so yeah, it's not interesting that in that sense. But coaches aren't you know, there, there, players aren't there. There were a couple of games I think um, that 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 had some interest. Um, let's just run those down real quick, and then we'll then we'll talk about Penn State's awesome bowl game. Um, but um, you know, for me, uh, you know, I've I've mentioned before, Eileen's a Notre Dame fan, so we were watching a game that was, by the way, thanks again, ESPN f- scheduled at the one of the few times you scheduled two bowl games over top of each other. The Fiesta mm-hmm. Bowl was scheduled, you know, to start an hour after our game. So, but Notre Dame um, against Oklahoma State, one of the two. How did they get that? And NBC didn't, by the way, because ESPN gets everything. But it's Notre Dame. Thing. Well, but that's only for their home games. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. But anyway, um, so Notre Dame had a 21 point lead and managed to, I I think it was their largest upset loss ever. I know it was Oklahoma State's largest upset win ever. Um, And Oklahoma Oklahoma State came from 21 points behind to win 37 to 35 in the end. Um, Felt honestly, after watching that Penn State game, felt a little bit like a a total second half collapse, (laughs) you know. but uh, even more egregious than Penn State's. But, uh, you know, if if you're not partisan watching that type of a comeback from a team like Oklahoma State, uh, interesting game for sure. When you say largest upset loss by Notre Dame, being being how is that a being, largest up? Like they've never lost having once had a 21-point lead. Ah, uh, okay. I got yeah. you. Yeah. It was a lar- their largest uh, deficit 
Or well, it was it was the largest t- lead given up to yeah. Okay, that makes more sense. Because because upset would denote that they you know they were uh, favored to win by a large amount and then they, they lost were by a large in an amount. Upset, gotcha. Uh, yeah, or beaten a come from behind. Um, so um, a, a couple a couple other games uh, of note. Um, you know that Ohio State Utah game and the Rose Bowl um, looked like Ohio State just didn't even come off the bus. And you know, speaking of comebacks, uh, a furious comeback to squeak by. Um, Utah 48 to 45. I got to say, I have real mixed feelings about that in that, you know, you want the Big Ten to look good on the big stage, but I just really want no one Ohio State in to the Big lose. Ten wanted Ohio State to win that game. No one. And, and like Ohio State's own fans didn't even like turn out to go it's to. True. They didn't even show up. Right. Well, not some did. I'm not saying, but they I mean, gave not, a bunch, they gave like 10,000 tickets back. Um, yeah. You know that they didn't sell, so their own fans didn't even care about the game. But and it seemed that Ohio State didn't care about the game, uh, move like starting out. But they finished that game like in a way that CJ Stroud, in in the two he's games, gonna be problems. He's gonna he's gonna cause problems. Yeah, in the two games that we played Ohio State when we had Saquon Barkley, uh, actually, well, in 2017 and 2018, we had we played them super close, and Ohio State stormed back both times, and it, this was, it felt like that kind of a game. Like, if you would put Penn State from those years in here, in this game, instead of Utah, like, that's how we lost those games. Like, yeah. Ohio State just, like, C.J. Stroud was passing all over the place. It was unbelievable. I think he was breaking records at the Rose Bowl. He finished with 537 passes. Passing yards with six touchdowns. Uh, and Jigba, uh, Smith and Jigba uh, had caught 15 balls for 297 yards and three touchdowns, which set an Ohio State record for most receiving yards in a season during that. That's As ridiculous. well as receptions in a season. And and then old Marvin Harrison's kid, Mar- Marvin Harrison Jr., who took on a starting role for the first time with Garrett uh, Wilson and Chris Olave opting out, he caught six passes for seventy-one yards and three touchdowns of his own in his first starting duty. So like they just disgusting. Both those receivers. Are I gotta coming say, back. <laughs> uh, Manny Diaz has got quite a job for himself, and he his basically his number one job is how do you stop Ohio State. Yeah, well, Utah. Utah. Uh, by the way, in that game, they were poised to win that game until their starting quarterback went down. Um, That's another good with point. a concussion. Yeah. So, yeah. so you know, they had this walk-on kid trying to lead them in a comeback, and he made some good plays, um, but he couldn't hold. He can't hold them off. And and Ohio State just looked like the Ohio State of every time that they win the game that you think so they annoying. shouldn't or couldn't or wouldn't win. So yeah, I mean. <laughs> What now do you let's do? Go for, let's go from there to a team that just seemed totally disinterested and found a way to win to a team that you'd think would have all the motivation in the world and looked like they just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> Michigan got embarrassed in I the sure semifinal did. game. The they Orange didn't Bowl. show up. They didn't no. show up to the game at all. I you know I really felt good about. Michigan and and I was pulling for Michigan in the sense that like Georgia had been there, you know, it seemed like Georgia was sort of uh, you know, slumping. Michigan was I would say on a roll at that point having beaten um, you know, first Ohio State at the last game of the year and then um really romped in the um Big 10 Championship game and like yeah, Michigan just Well, you uh, thought that Michigan had mojo going into that game. You totally. And you thought that Georgia didn't. But yep. what it really, you know, Georgia got whooped by Alabama uh, in the prior game. But what really happened is Georgia got mad 
and yep. took it all out on Michigan, and Michigan felt complacent with what they just did to Ohio State and Iowa in their back-to-back games. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, they what was the big like kind of. Um, uh, th- one of the news stories was like how the offensive line like had a t-shirts printed up like you know brick wall or you're not you know so, Dude, I forget what Georgia it was very like, cocky uh, in terms of like wearing right. wearing what they were wearing Georgia's offensive whole offense manhandled Michigan's defense like both the line like the cornerbacks with against the the receivers like they got manhandled dude I mean uh Heisman Trophy candidate um oh what's his face Aiden Hutchinson he was a, a literal no. He was a no show. Literal no. He had one tackle for loss that that you know ultimately didn't amount to anything. I mean, and we that, couldn't stop him to save our life, and and you know he got played. He got played with. He got toyed with by their tackles. Yeah. He got pushed off the line. He makes didn't it, look like makes he belonged. Really long for a a, a competent <laughs> elite type offensive line. <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be a phenomenal. Anyway, I don't know what that's like, but anyway, I Michigan, the last time I saw one of those was in the mid 2000s and mid 90s for Penn State. Yeah, whether it's a big talent discrepancy or whether it's just you know not bringing it, uh, Michigan got you know got their doors blown off effectively, yeah. 34 to 11. It was not ever a game. And here and, we and have, I think Michigan's about, touchdown, Michigan's lone touchdown was when it didn't even matter, right? Well, it was like just right when you end. thought Michigan was catching some momentum, <laughs> some you know, they they kind of look like fools in the national stage, and now you're hearing, you know, rumors oh, and whispers yeah. of Harbaugh potentially entertaining, uh, uh, you, know, inter, you know, interview ideas or whatever with the NFL teams, and, you know, Mich- Chicago just fired their head coach, and there's a ton of uh, head coach opportunities out there. Broncos, the Raiders, among some others. It'll be interesting. I mean, like I was saying earlier in the season, like you just want Jim Harbaugh to stick around and continue his like well, not after a season you know, like that. I'm with utility, but yeah, yeah, now it's like no, no, you don't want to. Well, don't want to let Michigan get and interestingly enough, as much as we want Harbaugh to stick around for that futility factor, here's Franklin and his utility fa- futility factor that when when there was all this like you know talk of uh, Franklin going to USC or LSU, all the Big Ten. Teams were like, ah, no, stick around. We like what you're doing over there at Penn <laughs> yeah. State because of the last two years of <laughs> totally, 500 totally winning true. percentage, you know. So, yeah. Well, um, look, let's just uh, quickly uh, some of the other games uh, around bowl season. Um, Cincinnati, of course, first ever non power five in the CFP, and um, they didn't have a great showing against Alabama. Buyer's remorse. Buyer's remorse from the CFP yeah. committee. You'll probably never see another group of five in there uh, again. <laughs> you know, I mean, until they expand. Honestly, you know, did they do worse than Ohio State the year that they got shut out? Did they or do Michigan worse than State. Michigan State? No, or Michigan. I, I wouldn't say so. I, I, to me, I think that's the wrong conclusion. And there were there were times that, in which Cincinnati, uh, from a defensive standpoint, looked like they were, you know, keeping Alabama contained. It was really Cincinnati's offense that just couldn't get anything going. Um, but um, some other um, notable Big Ten um Teams, you know, um, Iowa coming off of a really pretty strong close to the season ended up losing to Kentucky and Will Levis yeah. uh, leading uh, the Kentucky Wildcats to a bowl victory. Good for you, Will Come Levis. Come from behind. Uh, Iowa was leading by, 
uh, or down by 10, I guess, at one point. Uh, maybe I have that backwards. But um, Will Levis had to uh, lead a, a come-from-behind uh, game-winning drive. And, you know, he, he looks poised to have a, a better season next year than he had this year, in, given the fact that he got the reins at a Power 5 school for the for a whole entire season, and he led them to you know a New Year's Six Day bowl game. So um, he could he could see his draft stock rising next year if he could you know produce uh, at at best um, similar or better season than he had this year. But he looked like uh, every part the uh, you know the signal caller you want to leave at the helm. In the uh, the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, um, our uh, in-state rivals, our our only true rival, who we don't have ever have any other plans of ever playing again, uh, in Pitt, uh, who was a high, had a Heisman Trophy candidate, sixth-year quarterback, uh, Kenny Pickett, opt out. Um, our good friends uh, with uh, at Michigan State. <laughs> The fighting Mel Tuckers uh, handled Pitt and uh, put them back in their place, uh, thirty-one to twenty-one. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty entertaining game. Um, you know, Michigan caps off a strong season. Um, you know, sends Pitt back uh, with their legs uh, tail between their legs a little bit. So that, that was, was kind a of a fun, fun game. It was result, a fun game to watch. <laughs> in my mind, I mean, um, I, you don't want Michigan State to win necessarily, but you also don't want Pitt to win. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I was kind of rooting for Michigan State at that point, um, and happy to see him pulled off. It was it was a fun game, fun entertaining game to watch. You Speaking don't see those two teams games, squaring off too much, and and that was interesting and, and exciting. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of fun games, uh, a barn burner in Nashville, Purdue, uh, beat Tennessee in the Music City Bowl, and. Um, Boy, they scored nearly 100 points between them. Um, I, I don't have the final score right in front of me. I don't know if you have that, bro. But uh, yeah, that, that was that was another uh, really oh, it was, entertaining I watched game. it. It was 48 to 45. I watched that with Dad, and and we were just like, it, it was a it was a cardiac kind of a, you know college football game. We we and overtime we, and overtime, yep, overtime with correct. a three point win. Now there was really controversial play um, uh, during that. A lot game. of those this bowl season. There was a by the fourth way. down. They. "Quote unquote," blew the whistle uh, at the running back's momentum at the one yard line, and then he literally right after they "quote unquote" blew the whistle, which means you can't review it at that point because oh, it's like yeah. a, a right, referee's like you know <laughs> his opinion Whoops. of where. So uh, so you reached the ball across, and it was like it was a touchdown. It, it would have changed the outcome of the game without a question. Um, that was probably a, a Tennessee victory had that not been called incorrectly. So. Well, um, you know that those are all the. It was an overtime. That- By the way, it was an overtime. Uh, so like they they and I think it was it was fourth fourth down uh, overtime play. So that literally changed yeah, wow. the outcome of the game. Um, so so th- those are the bowls we wanted to highlight. Um, it's just for what it's worth. Um, the Big Ten had a pretty respectable record. I think second best among the Power Five. We were six and four overall. Um, Big Twelve, I think, had the best record at five and two. Um, Big Twelve was three and zero versus the SEC. By the way, so yeah, go Big Twelve. Um, SEC themselves had a losing overall record of five and seven. So they did get twelve teams into the bowl, but. Um, um, yeah, only managed five wins, and then uh, the Pac-12, good old Pac-12, zero and five, dude. 
Yeah, just when you you, you know you talk about the, the everyone saying oh we got to dis- they're going to dismantle the Big Twelve and you have tennis or excuse me Texas and uh, Oklahoma you know b- jumping ship from the from the Big Twelve to the SEC and it's like well the Big Twelve is still moderately respectable particularly compared to the Pac twelve which is kind of just like falling on its face year in and year out and you know and, and unless USC with Lincoln Riley can somehow make the entire it's weird to like have one team make the entire conference relevant but like there's no team making the conference ter- you know relevant right now in the Pac-12 they didn't prove it against anybody this year Oregon got steamrolled by Oklahoma without their you know uh, head coach and a lot of other players not playing I was and- expecting Oregon to be uh, you know, be really um, hungry in that game. Of course, Oregon didn't have their head coach either. It was Joe Mo's last last game though. Last hurrah! Calling, yeah. it, calling it, he was calling out uh, plays. Which, by the way, he almost died this year, and he he's now uh, moved moved to Akron, where he's gonna you know lead them in the future. Yeah, uh, new, the Akron a new head Zips. coaching position. We'll see. We'll see what happens with Joe Mo. Yeah. Um, well, look, uh, that brings us to our game, and um, we're not going to do a full blown recap because, I mean. Quite frankly, why quite bother? Franklin. <laughs> quite Franklin. Mm-hmm. Oh, he, he was quite Franklin. Uh, he in was this quite game. Franklin. Yeah. But um, for those of you who missed it, uh, we uh, we got somehow into a January first bowl game, the Outback Bowl, against a pretty nice draw, Arkansas, who was ranked number twenty and in going into the game. Um, and uh, uh, what was a ten to seven game at halftime turned into a twenty four to ten route. Um, Arkansas just, um, yeah, they beat us and they beat us good, and it didn't feel good watching it. No, it was terrible. It was like you had like a little spurt of like, oh my gosh, we might actually be able to pull this off. Clifford, you look halfway decent, and you're letting your players make some plays. We got but- some running game going there in the second yeah. quarter. Yeah, and then and our and our by the way, our um, our defense, who was <laughs> what's going on there, bro? <laughs> our Stupid defense. ESPN. <laughs> Isn't that the automatic app video that always play? <laughs> <laughs> You're looking up scores and like ESPN it's is like a spam website. I hate them. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, yeah, I, our defense, which was by the way decimated with opt outs, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which I mean, again, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to blame them. Really made it seem like you know, let's not even get our hopes up for this game. I but, don't by predict the way, that we're going to win, even though I predict that was, we're going to win. Defense was consistently keeping us in that game. Interceptions, oh, we had a the end lot zone. of players step we, up on defense. It was it was time. remarkable, and, and that to me gives me some some hope. Curtis Jacobs had ten tackles. Lucetta had nine tackles. Nick Tarburton came through with seven tackles. Keaton Ellis played great. Jair Brown played incredible. Kalen King, the freshman, came in and made a lot of plays. Jordan Van Anderberg, his best. Smith Silbert had sure. three sacks in the game. Like there were the defense was they had people stepping up and making plays and and you know kudos to them for for filling in the gaps. Meanwhile, but, but it was you've our got, offense. You've got the offense who, you know, this is now your capstone performance of Mike Yersich's first year. You yeah, Dotson has opted out, but you've got some really tremendous uh receivers still on board. You got tr- two tremendous tight ends. You've got a great crop of running backs and the offense went out and Laid an egg. They 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 pooped the bed in the second half. Clifford threw two interceptions. That didn't help. But here's nope. what here's what the real problem was, in my opinion. Um, you know, we were leading at the half, ten to seven. Like, you know, okay, we've got some momentum here. Like, we're we're up by three. Um, 
And, you know, I, I said going into half, I was like, I was like, will Penn State be able to make any adjustments to keep this going and win the game? Yep. We didn't come out in the second half and make any adjustments Not that I whatsoever. Could Whatever fact, adjustments the, we made were and in fact the opposite happened. Bad. Arkansas's <laughs> offense made significant adjustments. Huge adjustments. They ab- completely abandoned the pass game, which their quarterback uh KJ Jefferson was 14 of 19 for 98 yards. Um, didn't have any TDs passing, had one interception. But um, what happened was they're like, oh, our 250 pound quarterback is going to run the ball for us on every single play almost. They had he rushed their two it touchdown. 20- sorry, I was going to say their two touchdown drives. Like they threw almost no passes on their two touchdown then, drives yeah. in the second half. He, yeah, he, the, the quarterback ran for like 70 yards. Uh, like in the third quarter alone, or more than that, almost 80 yards. He had a, he finished the game with 110 yards rushing, five and a half yard average. He had a touchdown. He had a long of 34, and they had two other you know running backs. Uh, th- well, three other running backs rushed for over 67 yards. Two of them for almost 80 yards. What so was it was their, like what was their running total? Their for the team game? rushing total for the game was 353. So that's Ugh. not the t- that's not the uh, to say, oh, I put that on the defense, which I do put some on that on the defense for just being gashed. But again, like, what do, what do you expect from a uh, you know five or six opt outs from the defense? You know, eventually, if you uh, figure out what you know how to beat these guys, these guys did. But the but our offense didn't make any adjustments to keep up with that. So nope. it was just like totally nope. frustrating. Yeah, and, and not only that, like when you're facing a team that's really shoving the ball down your throat, uh, like say Auburn. Uh, tried to do earlier in the year, or hey, Illinois is another yeah. great example of that. Like, what do you got to do to help your defense out? You got to hang on to the ball. You got to put a drive together. You got to score points. They ran for two hundred twenty-five more yards than we did. All right, we and, we were not un- we were not. It wasn't an unrespectable, um, uh, you know, <laughs> like effort on the on the rushing attack for Penn State. You know, like. Uh, Kevon Lee had some nice uh, rushes. No Kane had some decent rushes. The team has uh, on whole rushed for four and a half yards per carry, which is like above our you know yearly average. But what the problem was was when it was working, we went away from it for like two quarters. Like we just went away from it and th- put it all in Clifford's hands, who was only fourteen of thirty-two passing the ball, and most of them were like he was missing wide open. He missed a wide open touchdown. He missed another wide open receivers, and the ones that he did hit, like most of them were like incredible catches made by uh, Parker Washington made a highlight real catch. But like he shouldn't have had to do that when he was wide open. So it, you know it didn't leave me. Uh, with a warm and fuzzy feeling coming out of this game for like what you know, moving into the future uh, for the off season and and into next season because last Not year. At all. Not at all. Last year it was like, all right, we finished on a on a four game win streak. That's positive. That's a positive thing, and it, and that did kind of roll into the off season and into the beginning of this season. But losing what six of our last eight now, and losing the way we did there with the opportunity to win games yet again, and then getting blown out by you know two touchdowns. That's a bad look. Even even with a, a makeshift defense, that's a bad look. It just it doesn't it doesn't feel. 
I didn't expect to actually win the game. I predicted we'd win 24 to 21. We lost 24 to 10. We didn't score in the second half. They exploded against us for 17 points in the in the third quarter, but then we held them scoreless in the fourth quarter. It's not like we didn't have opportunity in the second half to play football with them. Yeah. We just didn't make adjustments. No, I mean, we didn't get, check, didn't get motivated. Out, there was no urgency. You know? our, on our offense, um, we had... And this is actually surprising. I mean, not maybe not considering how much they ran the ball. We had four drives in the second half. Four drives. Of those four drives, only one was longer than six plays. <laughs> only couldn't one. De- couldn't keep our defense that was getting gashed in the run game off the field. Correct. So, so only, just- <laughs> only one went longer than three minutes. And only one was more than 15 yards. And that one wow. drive, that wow. one drive wow. of the second half that that was outside of that average, uh, it was a 14-play, 65-yard drive that ended in an interception. Sean Clifford, you remember it, first and yeah. 10. Mm-hmm. First and goal from yeah, ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It throws. Uh, a, you know, again, it's one of these things. Like, how does a fifth-year uh, quarterback? How does a three-time starter, you know, three-season starter, make that kind of throw? And you know, it's on first down. It's not like yeah. it's not like you got to let go of the ball to try to make something happen. Because it's not like it's last fourth night. Down, right? It's not you like know? in the national title game where you're down. Eight points, and you yeah. got to get a touchdown. So Fourth you're and throwing ten. them deep, right. and you throw an interception, which is what happened last in night. Desperation, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not like that. <laughs> no, you like throw the, but he threw it into double coverage. Um, I think it was heading toward um, which of our tight ends was, was he throwing toward? Um, it was. Um, was it Brenton Strange or I think it was Theo Johnson? I, I, I think it was Theo. Either way, it doesn't matter. But anyway, but they, he was double covered. Yeah, and and instead of putting it where only his receiver could get it, or it goes out of bounds, he he throws it short into the inside and it's easily intercepted. He has not shown over the course of the last two seasons that he has learned from mistakes in terms of well, like getting better. Thing. It's it, you know, and Sean Clifford's done a lot for Penn State. Um, he's given a lot of leadership, a lot of heart, a lot of effort. Um, <clears throat> he's in a position. I mean, we were down two touchdowns at that point. There's 12 minutes left in the game, and he's in a position to lead Penn State to a comeback with his decision making and his execution. For sure. And and you know, now was it still possible to win the game after that? Yeah, maybe. But yeah, you know, your 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 chances are so diminished at that point. Like you've got to make that play. You've got to get a touchdown on that drive when you're. First and goal from the ten yard line, and instead you throw an interception on first down. It just—it's a play that really makes you feel. I mean, makes you not feel great about him coming back for his sixth year. (laughs) All of the opt outs, man. All of the struggles on the offense. But you know what? The ball was in Sean Clifford's hand at that point. Right. He's the one who has a chance to make something happen. No one was forcing him to throw that ball. Oh man. So, yep. so overall, it just it left a sour taste in my mouth. Uh, I know it did yours. Um, Big time. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about what does this mean when it comes to Penn State overall in the second half of this show. Um, but until then, um, you know that's that's all we got to say about that 
Outback yeah, Bowl let's game move past this it. year. Let's, let's move um, past it. Okay, real real quick, uh, just bring you up to speed on some personnel and roster changes. Um, Penn State, uh, we've lost a couple of other coaches um, and pers- you know um, administrative personnel. Uh, Dwight Galt, our um, longtime strength uh, and training guy, um, he's retired. Uh, haven't heard who his replacement will be. Uh, we lost another coordinator this year. Two of our three coordinators uh, are are gone after this year. Joe Lorig, um, our special teams coordinator, he also coached, I think, outside linebackers and nickels, and um, he's he's going to Oregon. To Oregon, to do the he, same thing there. He's from so, he's from the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, lateral move, which is not what Franklin wants, but maybe you know he's he's going sort of. Uh, where home is for him, and and yeah. so maybe he's, that's been, why with, he's been with us for three seasons. Uh, he was, if you recall, from I think Memphis. Uh, after right. we yep. after we yep. uh, played him, he he came over. Yeah, um, so it's a lateral move, but maybe it's a career builder for him. And yeah, but again, again, also, um, you know, uh, he he he's from there. He wanted to return there, similar to uh, you know. At, uh, Joe Moorhead leaving Oregon. He left Oregon right. to go he- head coach at Akron. He wanted to be closer to his family. There's, it's not always like you know Joe or excuse me James Franklin always just says I don't want these lateral moves happening for my coaches. But there's other things going on sometimes that really lead someone to want to just change the scenery. Whether it's you know to be closer to his family or to return back to where they're from. You can't you can't you know defend against that kind of stuff. Even if you uh, have a, a large pocket to to be paying people with. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you know, I guess one of the questions you're asking when you lose two coordinators after two seasons like this, you know, is this say something? And at least for Joe Lorig, there's some good reason maybe why he's he's moving to Oregon. I think uh, something like him saying it was his, a dream job for him or whatever. So, um, yeah, may, maybe that's uh, good for Joe and not bad for us. Um, looks like we have already identified our new special teams coordinator. Is that right, bro? Yeah, a guy named Stacy Collins. Um, he came from Boise State. He has a, a laundry list of, of places and um, you know uh, jobs he's had over the years. I think he's been a head coach before. He's been a coordinate, a defensive coordinator before, I believe. Um, uh, just he has a, a very very um, wide spectrum of jobs he's had over the years, and uh, he brings a lot of experience uh, to to Penn State. So, well, yeah. he looks like the kind of guy that doesn't take no crap. <laughs> he's like he looks like a bulldog. Uh, we'll see how how that uh, meshes with with James and with with these players uh, on the Penn State uh, special teams. So um, you know optimism is high, but we'll proof will be in the pudding, and we'll see how our special teams move forward after a season this year, which I think you know we had a great uh, punter. Um, and I think you know a great kickoff guy and Jordan Stout. He's moving on. We'll, we'll get into some other um, players that are moving on and, and coming in and all that kind of stuff here soon. But you know our bright spot on the special teams is leaving. And beyond that, uh, you know we we have not had an overwhelming, incredible special teams this past season or it's even been last a mixed season. Bag, I would say. Yeah, mixed bag at best. Yeah. So so we'll see. We'll see. You know, you, Pinnegar was some improvement in that area. Pinnegar was was uh, taking place kicks at the at the yeah, missed a field goal bowl on that game. Out Goal, for yeah. that matter, didn't didn't look great. So uh, there's definitely room for should have been a gimme kind of kind of field goal to start off. Our yeah. only other decent drive of the day started off with a nine play, forty three yard drive, and we missed a field goal that was only a 
Uh, I was going to say it was only a 32-yarder, but it was at the 32. So it was a 50-yarder. Room for improvement. Yeah. Yeah, I would say. That's um, all. So um, other um, uh, one more personnel matter, which is to say that um, our senior director of football operations, uh, Michael Michael Hazel, or Hazel, not I think sure it's Hazel. It. I think it's Hazel. Um, it has has left, and um, that's a, you know that's a big behind the scenes uh, position, and um, he's I think moving to Virginia Tech to work. He's with taking Brent the Pry. same job for uh, for Brent Pry at Virginia Tech. So, so another lateral move. Yeah. Um, finally, one other just coaching note. Um, we recently heard that um, James Franklin um, was recently elected to the American Football Coaches Association Board of Trustees. And, I, I you know, this is probably a professional association of uh, college coaches. And, and, you know, it's a it's a pretty big uh, sign of recognition and I would imagine somewhat prestigious to be elected by your peers uh, to that uh, governing board. Yeah. All right. Um, let's talk about Penn State players. Um, there are a couple of players that are going to be leaving the team um, newly announced since uh, we last spoke to y'all. Uh, Jordan Stout, we just mentioned, uh, not a surprise there. He's going uh, to the draft. Um, and likewise, Jesse Lucada is going to be going to the draft. Um, two guys that made a lot of con- uh, contributed a lot to Penn State over the last few seasons, um, trying their luck in the NFL, and we certainly wish them the best. Uh, finally, um, players that we're going to be saying goodbye to uh, via the portal, and these are names which you know you haven't heard a lot this year, and that may be part of why they're going to the portal. Um, wide receiver Justin Weller, defensive tackle Joseph uh, Darkwa, uh, wide receiver Norval Black, who I believe had um, you know some high expectations coming in, and then finally uh, defensive tackle Aeneas Hawkins. Uh, he's not uh, going to the portable; he's retiring. Yeah, he had, had a lot of injuries over the years. Um, he's just saying he's kind of hanging him up. He was—he's a guy that came in as a form, for, excuse me, a former four-star recruit, and his father, and I think even his uncle had had some NFL pedigree there. So there was kind of some high hopes that he would make an impact uh, on our team. Never really did. Uh, so, um, and I and I do believe injuries played a role in that, which is unfortunate. So those are that those a lot of those are just depth pieces. Um, so you know. You got to replace them somehow moving forward. Right. Um, uh, speaking of how we're going to do that, we we have news of some key did we players. Me- Real quick, did we mention in the la- I think we did in the, in the last uh, podcast that we got that Western Kentucky kid coming in in the in the portal. Yes, we did. We did. Okay, I just wanted yep. to make sure. All right. Yep. All right. Mo- uh, moving forward. So, so we did hear of players returning, and, and these are some big names for Penn State. Um, first of all, PJ Mustafer, Mustafer, excuse me. Um, he's coming back. Um, he wants to finish out his Penn State career well, and boy, we will love to see him. Assuming he's back to form the way he was at the beginning of this season, looking forward to having uh, PJ back. Uh, similarly, Jair Brown, who probably was player of the game for Penn State, yeah, two ints, um, two two interceptions, and just was all over the place, filling, um, you know, really filling some some big shoes, and. Um, you know, in that decimated defense, he had a great game. He's decided to come back. Um, Jonathan Sutherland, a guy who's we've, you know, he's been a, a special teams captain for the last few years. Um, oh, he's but been a really, team captain. Yeah, a yeah, team captain. Really hasn't made a huge impact um, on the defense or really even on special teams all that much. Um, 
he wants to come back and see if he can uh, make something happen. Um, finally, uh, long snapper Chris Stoll, uh, a walk-on Burrowsworth Trophy nominee, um, he's coming back, which is nice to have some solidity there. Of course, the other big name that we already mentioned um, our, on our last episode is Sean Clifford, coming back for season number six. That's right, sixth season, Sean mm. Clifford coming back. We'll talk about what that means for Penn State uh, in our second uh, half of the show. Uh, last thing, um, speaking of new faces, uh, we talked about the um, you know the signees for 2022, but of those, we we now know who's coming in early. We've got some, nine nine some really big of names. Twenty four sign. Excuse me, nine of twenty four commits are already enrolled as of I think uh, this week, yesterday. It's crazy. Yeah. And um, is it, among those, the the two big, big names, uh, Drew Alar and Nick Singleton, are mm-hmm. coming in early enrollment, and uh, which means they'll be able to start working out with the team, um, getting themselves situated in college, and, and put in the position, better position, I would say, to you know be able to to, to make a an impact uh, for this coming. Uh, football season, which I think uh, a lot of Penn State fans will be really excited <laughs> to give these see these guys have a chance to make an impact. Uh, Tom, who are some of the others that we got coming in early? Um, well, we got running back Katron Allen. We got tight end Jerry Cross. We've talked about being uh, a big, a big um, kind of a keystone to this uh, recruiting class and keeping everybody together and not, you know, decommitting and all that kind of stuff. He's been super vocal on social media, um, and we're always looking to have more tight ends in this in this system. Um, and Zane Durant, a uh, big defensive player that that could be either uh, you know a tackle or a DN, maybe even a linebacker. We're not sure. Supposed to be a pretty athletic dude, maybe possible future generational talent kind of um, you know, player for us. Kind of a work in progress, though, from na- for now. But uh, Omari Evans, J.B. Nelson, the lineman, um, Bo Prabula, the quarterback, and then Caden Saunders, the wide receiver, they're all coming in, and they'll all be uh, very, very uh, welcome to get in that uh, off-season program. Yeah, coming on Lifting campus and... in a week or so, I would imagine. No, no, they're, the, they're the, here. They're not already there now. Yeah, there you they're, go. They're here. They're they're on campus. They're, they're on in campus. classes, and and they were supposed to be Cam Is Miller Penn State was already back to class. Yeah, well, maybe they're not in class yet, but they the, the these players are are you know on campus as of yesterday. They they just moved in. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah, if okay. classes started quite yet, but yeah, I was going to say um, like if I remember back to my Penn State days, uh, we had a little bit longer uh, Christmas break for, as far as I remember. Well, they got to get to work. They got to yeah, get man. to work for Franklin. Get to it, yeah. Do so it. Cam Cam Miller, uh, uh, a defensive player for us, uh, he was supposed to um, enroll this week. Uh, he's going to be enrolling in May. That's the only other addition that will yeah. be an early enrollee, but not as of right now. Bringing news and notes in for a landing here. Uh, briefly, want to alert you to a schedule change. If you have already put your Penn State schedule in for next year, uh, they just changed it. Apparently, I'm not um, even sure why. I I don't know why. Maybe maybe they were making adjustments because of the weird 2020 season. One of the things um, that they're doing is, you know, originally we had Illinois as one of our cross um, division. T- Games that would have been three years in a row, and and they swapped Illinois with Northwestern. So that might be one of the things that they're trying to do is keep uh, teams from having to play the same team uh, three years in a row. By the way, no Iowa this year, so feel good about that, guys. <laughs> I guess. 
whatever. Um, so, <laughs> so I mean, they found other ways to shaft us, though. True, um, it's true. They, they have now they've given us Michigan State on the road to f- finish the season again. Yeah, uh, after two- a road game. Uh, at Rutgers. Yeah. So we finished so with we, two road games. We were supposed to finish with Rutgers on the road. And by the way, this is all coming down from the Big Ten. Like, this right. is obviously. Right. This like, is not this, the athletic department. This uh, isn't Penn, Penn State. State doing this. They don't have they don't have say over their Big Ten schedule like this. So the Big Ten is... Uh, so we, not only do we start the season at Purdue, but we also finish with two road Big Ten games. So yeah, that's cool. Annoying. That's neat. You know? <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah, it's just kind of like, what's going on there? I don't, I don't, I, that's unlike anything I've seen. And, you know, we've been getting a lot of, you know, road openers and getting a lot of big 10 road openers. And now we're getting big 10 road openers to start the season. And then big 10 road closers to close the season up for two weeks. It's just, yeah, you just wonder, is anyone else feeling like they're getting the shorthand of the stick? It doesn't seem like Ohio State does. Yeah, our, and, and our three cross-divisional teams are um, Purdue, Northwestern, and um, shoot, who's the third one? I just lost. Purdue, Northwestern, oh, Minnesota. and Minnesota. Yeah, not, um, a, not the easiest slate, at least according to yeah, how Purdue's those teams coming up. Northwestern's year. probably ba- due for a, a, you know, a rebound year, and... Um, you know, Minnesota's not a bad team these days either. They were making a run for the for the Big Ten West for a little while there. Um, so, and Kirk Sharaka heading back to Minnesota. Oh, we'll see if be he's going to be ready to. He'll be on the sideline, won't he? If he can beat Kirk, <laughs> if he can beat Mike, Mike Yersich, Yersich. Oh, my oh man, I believe. Oh. That's <laughs> if it's like if he scores forty against us and we score ten against them, that'll oh be neat. Gosh. Yeah, no. that would just be hard. Neat, hmm. really neat. Yeah. <laughs> last last uh, item of news and notes. I just wanted to briefly uh, point out um, Penn State players in the NFL just having a season. I think we talked about Micah Parsons last episode, and of course he he's continuing to uh, wreak havoc there on the mm-hmm. um, Cowboys defense. Mm-hmm. But um, Tom, who else you got? Uh, Penn State players making uh, key contributions uh, in the NFL right now. Well, I mean, you've got you've got obviously Micah Parsons doing his thing, um, but you have uh, Connor McGovern on that team is is helped solidify that offensive line for that offense. Um, you also have um, Miles Sanders. You know, yeah. is, be, is Philly going to make it? Do they get into the playoffs? Oh yeah, they they they, I, they secured their their um, playoff. Birth, uh, After last the week. Ravens' terribly pathetic end of the season, I've kind of lost uh, th- track. At the hands of, of my Steelers, Steelers and and Pat Fryermuth has had a, a, a wonderful season for them, and I think the sky's the limits for him moving forward. How but he, cool, how cool but, is it that his his rookie season was Ben Roethlisberger's last season? That's I kind mean, of an interesting, especially he made plays on yeah, uh, Sunday that were that really gave them the ability to win the game. Really critical moments. He he was able to pick up first downs, long first downs on third downs that you know um, perpetuated the, a, a game-winning drive or a game-tying drive. Uh, I, I mean, which, all season he's been making critical plays for them. So you know, he's as been a rookie, an end zone threat. He's an end zone and, and threat, and that's this. what he's, he's doing. He's one year out of college, you know, and he looks yeah. like a man among men out there. He does not look like a. I'm just finding my way into NFL form. I mean, he is yeah. a, a big, tough, physical, Absolutely. reliable. Uh, tight end for the NFL. Um, yeah, good. Good for Steelers for picking him up, and um, 
good for Pat Frymuth for having a heck of a season. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so I mean, you got you got other guys making big plays. Uh, you know, Owe has had a good a good season, but um, but you know, the Ravens especially are early on, uh, Owe was making some big splash plays. He yep, he, he, not so much toward the end, especially as the Ravens got into their losing streak. You start you start realizing uh, that that the defense. Play, defensive plays when the defense comes up short is just it's not it's not as fun, <laughs> you know. Yeah. The one play th- that that makes you feel good as you lose is just not quite as fun as like say Micah Parsons making the plays that he's making uh, to help lead the Cowboys to victory. Yeah, you got and you got Ryan Bates uh, also playing uh, for the the Buffalo Bills who won the AFC right. East uh, over the 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 Patriots, which is kind of kind of incredible. Um, so he's he's doing he's making some some serious moves up there, uh, and and uh, last but not least, you have. Um, Tom Brady's blind side for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, his left tackle Smith, uh, was a Penn State great, uh, you know, back in the day. He's still he's still doing it. And Robbie Gold had you know a, a career right. day uh, to keep the 49ers uh, playoff hopes alive. And and you know he he I think it was three for three. And he's he's been he was hurt earlier in the year with like a hamstring or a glute, but he is still still um, you know producing at a high level in the NFL right now. Yeah, so as uh, the college football season has come to an end, uh, you st- we still get a little bit of uh, Penn State vibes uh, as we go to NFL playoffs and watch some of our uh, you know, former uh, Penn State players uh, make impact in the NFL. And I and hope you'll enjoy that as much as we will. Um, now it's time to shift gears and um, to help us. Oh, did want to leave Adrian Amos out? By the way, he's one of the best no, we safeties in the, in the league for the Green we Bay would Packers. Not. I did not want to want to leave Adrian Amos. Honestly, out. How could you honestly, do such a thing. He is a stud. I'm glad he you interrupted st- me. <laughs> for, for, I just don't want to leave a, I, a like guy Adrian that deserves Amos. it out. He's a good player. He's a great player. He's, a he's player. actually get, gets better with each and every season. Go on, Andy. You were saying. I don't have any clue. Now, um, uh, to help kind of make the transition into thinking about the the state of Penn State, we're going to go to our mailbag and open it on up. So let's do it. Mailbag time. So uh, our last entry, uh, and gotta gotta give props to Joel Bettner for for giving us a mailbag entry each and every week this year, and um, we'll close it up uh, with his half the time because we demand him to. True, true. It's more fun with a mailbag. <laughs> it's more fun. <laughs> um, bro, do you want to read it off, or do you want me to? You go for it. Yeah. So so this is Joel. He says, uh, "I'm over here." trying to cleanse my mind of the last two disgusting seasons and look ahead. I want to be excited for our football future. I want to believe we will genuinely compete for a natty in the next five years. But he goes on to say, I'm finding little reason to hope. But the reason I am finding is the highly touted 2022 recruiting class. I know I'm not the only one. And that's the lead into his true or false. And Tom, I'll send this to you. As a fan base, it is fair to put so many of our hopes and expectations on a recruiting class like this. What do you think, Tom? True or false? Absolutely true. That's absolutely <laughs> true. I mean, it, it is. You have to. You have to. I mean, 
I mean, what? Do I think that this recruiting class is going to be the one that's going to make us win a national championship? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in order to get us back to that level where we were winning you know, 11 games a season and uh, vying for the, the Big Ten title um, for that little stretch of like we had a three-year stretch where we were three or four-year stretch where we were really kind of, you know, pretty dangerous there in the Big Ten. These last two years we have not been. Um, but, you know, look at what Micah Parsons class and that that highly touted class he was in yeah man. we we made it to the to the cotton bowl and had you know multiple 11 uh we had an 11 win season that year so in order to get back to that yes this class look has to, to the, look at the Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders era right I mean right the, it was the recruits of that era that that really made the team happen you know Chris Godwin and uh, and those other Gesicki. guys yeah uh, totally yeah I, you know so I agree with you um you know, recruits aren't everything, but they're a huge, huge part of what makes a, 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 a championship caliber football team uh, come together. Well, they're they're a huge part in my so they're they are a critical part of making a competitive football team. Yeah, yeah. it's up to the coach at that point to field it to make <laughs> turn them into championship caliber Agreed. players. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you know, of course, like you have the. I mean, in Penn State's own own past, you have. You know, there's a precedent for, uh, uh, you know, lower rated recruits, you know, winning championships, right? I mean, the, the 1986 sure. uh, Fiesta Bowl game against Miami, yeah. the, the, you know, ton of highly touted recruits and in comes these blue collar guys, uh, you know, and beats them. So it's, it's not like you, you can't win with guys who don't have four and five stars across the board. But it sure makes it a lot easier and it also makes it a lot more likely and a lot more possible. So yeah, I, I'm really I'm really, really hopeful. And I, we'll get into this I think a little bit um, as we transition to to talking about the state of Penn State. But you know, one of the things Penn State's really, really been lacking, I mean, for a decade or more is a, a marquee quarterback. I mean, and Trace Mc. This is to say nothing of of how great a quarterback Trace McSorley was, um, and still is for that matter. But uh, you know, to have something, have someone who is on par with the with the truly great quarterbacks of the game. You know, you think about um, you know Trevor Lawrence when he was at Clemson. You think about Bryce Young this year, or Mac Jones last year, or you know Jalen Hurts when he was at Oklahoma. Vince um, Young. Joe Brady, you know, when it was the at USC LSU. quarterbacks they had for all those years that were all like Heisman Trophy caliber quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, and that's recruiting. And we haven't gotten the top level quarterback recruits. And we have now, you know, in Drew Alar, maybe the top quarterback recruit in the country, not to mention some running backs, a four star quarterback in Bo Pribula coming up uh, along with them. So, yeah, we, true, it is fair to put a lot of our hopes and expectations on a recruiting class like this. And it, and it bodes very well for Penn State that as as difficult a, a time as we've had these last two seasons that we're getting the caliber of recruits that we're getting. Um, I, is it going to make the difference this coming year? Like, are we going to go from, you know, basically uh, just hovering above 500 to going undefeated? I would be surprised. Uh, I would not predict that at all. I don't think that's a fair expectation. But to think Not a that, fair expectation? Is it a possibility? Sure, a possibility. But certainly not a fair expectation to go and win the Big Ten next year. But I think what um, is fair is to say in the next two to three years, these recruits 
um, are going to put Penn State in a position to win the Big Ten. Yeah, they, they, they it is a fair, and if we don't, it's it's really really disappointing. <laughs> Joel Joel made a point in the uh, the the uh, text chat from uh, yesterday during the national title game. He said, "Hey." Um, the last time Georgia won, Penn State won three years later, and that would make Drew Allar a junior quarterback for us. Yeah. So, and, and and all these other recruits would be juniors at that point too, or, or redshirt sophomores potentially. But yeah, you know, I mean, that, that the recruiting classes that we get between now and three years from now it can aid in that, and some of the players we have on the team now can aid in that. But like this, you know. This recruiting class, we've got expectations for them. How how high that those expectations are going to end up being will be dictated by what Franklin can do to make them turn them into elite competitors. Yeah, well, there you have it. Um, I think we're both on that true side. I don't think Joel gave us his answer, but I think it's implied. No. Um, yeah, let's let's see what these guys can do, and um, I, you know. At the same time, and, and this is the problem, I think, um, let's close that mailbag and talk about now the state of Penn State. And at the same time as we're welcoming in this really highly touted class, what it's going to end up like number six in the country, it looks like, um, we're coming off of a of a you know the worst two year stretch we've had certainly since sanctions, and even maybe if you. Include those. This is the worst two-year stretch we've had since before Franklin was on this team. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's he had back-to-back seven and six seasons to start off. You know, we're I think we're five hundred right now over the yeah, last in the two last seasons. two years. Yeah, it's definitely the worst two-year stretch of Franklin. Back-to-back tenure. losing records in the Big Ten, mm. and you know, that just hurts. underachieving with the caliber of talent that we have losing to teams like Illinois, you know, losing to teams last year like Maryland. Um, we are better than those those teams from a recruiting talent standpoint. And you got to just believe that at this point that Franklin's not developing these players well enough to, to you know, squeak out these these close victories that obviously until until this game – We've had, all our victories have been, I think, one score games or what are single digit uh, losses that we've had. Um, you know, now he got blown out by 14 points, and again, you know, we're missing the players in the game. But, but this season, Andy has kind of been a uh, so this game, uh, this bowl game has kind of been a microcosm of this past season. You know, yeah, I I, I was feeling that as well. You know, because, uh, you know, we went into this year you know i remember some of those first podcasts before the season started and we were we were really hesitant to feel uh excited about the year because it was such a difficult schedule we felt like you know we could come out of those first four games like at 500 and you right know, and it was and we were uh, we were undefeated coming out of all those games so then yeah, it's, like, it's like oh my okay, gosh we are expectation good. levels have risen after yes. we have not just passed the test but like flourished through the, these tests in these first four or five games and similarly like i went into the um outback bowl against arkansas just feeling like you know and with all the opt-outs thinking you know we're not even gonna look like we deserve to yeah. be there right and, right you know so. we're going and we go into <laughs> halftime with with a lead and actually look like we belong on the field against a team like arkansas and so it's like hey we can do this all right i like that you know and then you, the second half of that game 
like the second half of our season, was utter disappointment. Yeah. And not only was it utter disappointment, it was it was embarrassing. It was embarrassingly bad at times. <laughs> you know, um like the loss to Illinois for example or or even just you know, the, the had Michigan the SEC State, had the SEC even won a, a a game yet up to that point? Well, I forget. I mean, that's that's its own kind of embarrassment. But I just like right? just in terms of execution on the field, you know, uh, like that like the Michigan State game at the end of the season, it's like we you know, we snatched defeat from the jaws of victory in that game, and that feels exactly like what we did in this game, in the second half of this game. It, it was it was really it was really frustrating. And yeah, I mean, what is up with that? Like and you know, going back to now 2020, it's like we lost the first five games of that season and find out found a way to put it together. And now we win the first five games of this season and then col- totally collapse the back half. You know, we didn't lose five games straight but we you know with two wins peppered in there we lost well seven of our last or six of our last eight is that what it well was? i think yeah yeah six of our last eight including the bowl game um so it's just well here's 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 how like how do you reconcile that so put those put that <laughs> losing streak in, in you know pull that chunk out and let's compare that losing streak from this year to the losing streak of last year Okay, so like when we lost to Indiana on that overtime, like, you know, losing to Iowa was very similar in what it did to us from that point forward. It wasn't like, oh, we had a great start to the season this year. It's like, no, when we were faced with adversity both times in a losing effort, we crumbled after that. Yeah. So like Franklin... Two years in a row now, he's the head coach. We put it all on him. You know, he did not, he was not able to, to, to get these players to pick themselves back up and win a game after, after that until, until all hope was lost, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, the bottom fell out completely both, both years, completely. Yeah. So, like, that gives us, I mean, like what? What does that do for Franklin after signing a 10-year contract extension with, you know, making him a, a very highly paid six, I think he's like six, the sixth highest paid coach in the, in America. Um, these, these two seasons certainly do not, um, you know, are not indicative of what you would think, you know, as that, that kind of money would, would get you when it comes to the wins and losses. Uh, we obviously in college football do not strictly um, judge coaches on wins and losses uh, yeah, year and in and Penn year State out. in particular yep, has a history yep. of, of not being strictly, you know, tied to Whereas wins Whereas LSU losses. can fire their uh, champion, you know, national championship coach less than two years later. Penn but State all, is. All, all that being said, though, I mean, you know, to have two Penn State two seasons in a row, you know, in modern college football, two seasons two seasons in a row of a program that wants to be in the upper echelon of football, and you go five hundred two seasons in a row. I mean, yeah, coaches have been fired for a lot less. Well, so, so also, you know, what, what's what's been our record since? And, and I don't have these numbers in front of me, but like, remember when Franklin said, you know, uh, you know, we're not elite yet. Right, we're not. We're not. We lost. We lost to Ohio State in that that game where the, you know Ohio State came back, and it was it was you know soul crushing to Franklin in this program. We have not been the same kind of team since then, basically. And Franklin is just kind of 
I mean, it just almost seems like mediocrity at, at this point. And right when he was on the cusp of being elite, at least so we thought or so he was thinking, you know, we have like sunken and plateaued at this mediocre at best kind of uh, win from a win loss perspective, you know. It's the, the the proof is in the wins win and loss column, right? You know, go, let, let's go back for one second to that 2019 season. Uh, it was the Cotton Bowl season, and and that Cotton Bowl uh, Clifford's first year. The the Cotton Bowl felt like. You know, sort of a huge consolation prize. It was just not. You know, we played number seventeen Memphis in that game. It just didn't feel like a like a like we like a, we wanted to we should have been able to play like Notre Dame, who was also a top like ten that. team. You know, yeah, yeah. But but we that was an eleven win season. Yeah. It was an eleven win season. Guess what? It's taken Franklin two seasons to win eleven games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, since then. But yeah. it was only two years ago that we, you know, we lost to uh, Minnesota and to Ohio State. Uh, both were one, were single digit losses, you know, in terms of the score. Uh, we didn't look great in those games, but you know, we won eleven games that season. And yeah. so, you know, that was you know, Franklin started in twenty sixteen, so it's twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen, twenty. That was his fourth season with us, and he still went in eleven. You know, it wasn't like he peaked with Saquon Barkley and then. You know, we had four great seasons. So, so what's happened the last two years? Well, among other things, COVID, right? Um, and I, I got to say, this is not a, I don't want to say this is an excuse, but I just think it's a reality. Like this year, you look around society, every sector of society is still dealing with the implications of COVID, whether it's direct or just sort of the after effects. And you, you got to imagine that, that that's part of what explains all of the craziness we saw across college football this year. And you had some teams that are well-positioned, teams like Georgia, teams like Alabama, that could that could continue to do well and thrive. But you, you had a lot of other teams, like even a team like Clemson, and I know them, they looked a lot better than Penn State by the end of the season, but you know who really didn't have a great year that you would have expected to have a great year. Um so, so there, there's something there, you know. But nonetheless, any way you slice it, what's happened the last two years at Penn State football is not what we want to happen. You know, this is not, you know, what what happened 2016 to 2019. That's a lot closer to what we want Penn State football to be like than what happened in the last two years. And I guess the question is a big part, a big big question, and maybe part of why Franklin got that 10 year contract is that people still feel confident. That what Franklin is able to do 2016 to 2019, and even the two years leading up to it to rebuild the team after sanctions, that he'll be, he still has the skills and the wherewithal and the means and the energy to do it. And, you know, that signing class is a good evidence to suggest that that might not be too far off the mark. Uh, the difference is, though, we've also seen these last two years some of like the, the weaknesses of Franklin really be exposed. And that that's, I think, what worries me. You know, like, where's that in-game coaching? Where's the play-calling prowess? Where's the, like, getting people motivated after, you know, you have that loss that, that depresses you and deflates you? Where, how do you get the team back up and get, get on the horse again? Like, that just didn't happen these last two years. So, you know, 
It I just, don't know. It, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. Next year could be great, but it could also be like even worse. And well, let's let's uh, <laughs> let's put it this way: like, what what would it take for James Franklin to have a a legitimate bounce back season where we're not talking about how we want him fired? Because because there is a yeah. there is you know a, a third season in a row of of mediocrity. Is not good. Like even when uh, Joe Paterno had his, you know, dark years, four out of five years, he was able to like, you know, pepper in that 2002 season with Larry Johnson run- running 2,000 yards before he had the 2005 season, which was, you know, a great season. So yeah. like, is so Joe didn't have like, you know, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like Joe didn't have uh, three back to back to back seasons that right. were like crap. Yeah. Like, uh, not that I remember at least, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But, but like, and if he did, it, you know, uh, uh, then I'm wrong. Like I said, but um, well, also but Joe if, had if, like forty or fifty years of tension. Sure, at that point, sure. You know? yeah. We're so, not trying to compare James to Joe so much as just the the situation of like losing three, having three bad seasons in a row. Yeah, is like so how do you how do you weather that storm as a coach? Like, well, I, what, I think, what is that a larger uh, in, indication of? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think anywhere near five hundred is going to be, you know, absolutely unacceptable. You know, even one or two games above five hundred is going to be uh, regular season in particular. I, I think let's put, seven it and, let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. If we won the game against Arkansas, we'd be eight and um, what five? Yeah. Yeah, we'd be eight and five. Right now, we are seven and six. Okay, those are equal. Seven and six is what he was his first two seasons. You know, I I, I look at James' first two seasons as being the sanctioned era of James Franklin's coaching yeah. tenure. Yeah, we didn't have an option that, to go to a bowl game. Everything after that Which, was like. Which, by the way, how can you not be excited to go to a bowl game and get ready to play and want to win the game? Right, like we know. know what it, we know what it means not to go to a bowl. I mean, last year they didn't go to a bowl game because they elected not to go to a bowl game last yeah, year. That's a that could be a, a larger indication yeah. of of the fight of this team. I don't know. I I, dis- I disagree with that assessment. I disagree. It, I said it could be. I, I say I don't, it definitely I don't see is. it that way. But but in any case, like well, you just, just asked you just asked the question. You, why, why wouldn't you want to fight during, for a, a you got a bowl game? Like, where's the fight to, to play and be in that bowl game? Yeah. You just said. Yeah. That comes from Franklin. You know, so, where's his fight? You you see his back arm to folded your... on the sidelines during all of our losses, where he has no. <laughs> I gotta say that like body language so torques you. It's I I find it. I find it uh, amusing, but listen. It, I'm looking. I'm looking at the way Georgia's <laughs> coaches are coaching on the sidelines during the national title game, and they are completely clued in at all times and extremely hands on. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying I need Franklin to be screaming at his players, but do anything other than nothing, please. <laughs> um, well, getting back to your question though, like what what kind of a season would it take to like kind of can be considered a bounce back season and i'll just say you know nine and three to me has has got is bare minimum yeah to feel like a bounce back season to feel bare minimum you know and i would say you know okay so eight and four plus a win against ohio state that might be also acceptable um maybe you know but i you know to me it's it's got to be it's got to be nine and three. It's got to be you've actually, you know, 
you you beat you beat two out of three of the of the of the big teams in the East. You know, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. Um, Bear minimum nine and three with be- beating a a, a a big name team, yes. a higher ranked team. Yeah, like you, I need, I I want, I want to see you know wins on the road. I yeah. want to see wins against ranked teams, well, and, even and it's just and one of each is, of those. It's know, looking like, competent in close right. games. Right, that's you know, the real thing. Is we have we have um, in close games, we are on the 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 sour side of things yeah, more often like than not. We just, it's like just barely hanging on for a win or, you know, like in position to win and can't put that drive together. Like that, that lack of competence or like, you know, just the, the mistakes that, that lose you the game. Like those kinds of things have been plaguing Penn state for the last yeah, two you years. Can't, and you can't make excuses in for them anymore. You can't, you can't no. each and every single time that that happens at this stage, you can't keep, you know, saying, well, maybe next time he'll get it right. Like you got to get them right. You got to get them right, and you got to fix the problems. And I need to see, like, for as much as you, you, we haven't seen Clifford progress into being a better quarterback over the years. Like, it's kind of like Clifford's trajectory um, as a quarterback kind of mirrors what Franklin's trajectory in the post-sanction era at Penn State has been. You, you, you start off with year, a lot of promise, and then start off with a lot of promise, and then you've literally like plateaued after a complete drop off. Yeah, you know, well, that 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 brings up a really important point. Um, not only Sean Clifford, but the but the offense, and I would say the last two years in particular, the offensive production from a point standpoint has been absolutely. I mean, that's the cliff that we've fallen yeah. off of. I mean, yeah. defensively, there have been some breakdowns from time to time, but overall, defensively, we've been okay. And in fact, this year, on some measures, we were great, but. You know what was not great was our average points per game. It was the worst it's been in, you know, five plus years. I, I, I don't even mention the rushing are. game. Well, and and certainly the rushing uh, is is part of the lack of being able to score points. Um, but, you know, I, I was saying to this or saying this to you earlier, bro, um, that the the style of offense that Franklin wants to run. Is you know it's not a Joe Paterno ground and pound. It's not a Kirk Ferentz, you know, like you know Python squeeze them and win with nine points because you held them to seven. It you know what Franklin wants to do is he want to score points in bunches, right? Explosive plays. He talks about it all the time. You want you know because his strategy is what he'd rather do is score tons of points, and that's how you win games. And in bunches. And score points, score them in bunches. Listen, being explosive is cool. That's Franklin great. Does, yeah, Franklin That's doesn't fun. care about time of possession. And the thing is, when when you don't have big time of possession, you're putting your defense in a tough spot. They're going to be on the field a lot. They're not. You're going to be giving you know, the the other team being, a ton of times to score. And so, being what does that mean? Explosive is only helpful to you if you are consistent. Outside of that, consistently scoring points is what you've got to do. And um, I don't know if you have the numbers uh, for this year, bro. But like our our average points per game this year uh, was just absolutely awful. It's the and lowest factor in the ten points we scored against or, or Arkansas. Yeah, it only dropped. Uh, whatever, however many points per game it dropped. But like, yeah, I'm I'm put yeah twenty five point three points per game. And if, by the way, if we had been even been able to score our average 
in the bowl game. <laughs> we would have won right. the game. That's right. You know, um, our defense played well enough for us to win. You know, yeah, holding sure. them to 24 points. You, you know, our offense with – you know our offensive firepower, our scheme, our Mike Yursich, and you know the you know the way that he you know knows how to score you know tons of points and run up yards and stuff like that. And guess what? We did nothing. We did that. We scored ten points, ten points. But like again, that was just sort of a, a microcosm of the whole season when you know our defense was hanging in there and doing what they needed to do, and our offense could just couldn't score. Enough. Andy, we had we had we averaged nearly thirty points per game scoring last year with Kirk Sharaka's offense. Jeez, yeah. So that was, we were, we averaged twenty nine point seven eight. All right, and our you know do you know what it was? This and... year was sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I'm just saying our defense this year was night and day better than last year. Even even with all the losses, we you know we were this number six scoring defense in the country last year. We uh, the the, the um, our oppo- our opponents averaged twenty seven point six seven points per game against us. All right, so we so we shored up the defense uh, this in the off season, but the the offense regressed even further. So we've been going down and down and down ever since Joe Joe Moorhead. Well, I guess that the first year. Um, I well before Kirk Sharaka, Ricky Ronnie actually didn't do too bad, but it was a step below Joe Joe Moore in for sure. 2018, which I believe was Ricky Ronnie's first year. We scored 45.6 points per game. <laughs> wait, and, wait, say that again. Say it again. Yeah, yeah, in 2018, Ricky Ronnie's offense was scoring for the whole season 5.6. That can't be right. Game. That can't be right. Look it up. I'm looking at it right now. Wh- on what website? Uh, ESPN. <laughs> really? Yeah. 2018 team statistics, total points per game, 45.6. And then in 2019, the Cotton Bowl year, we scored 35.8 points per game. No, Andy, that's that's incorrect. I don't know where you're getting that. Like, uh, but but I'm right. seeing I'm seeing right, right here 2018 on SportsReference.com. It was 33.8 points per game. Okay. In 2018. 2018. Yeah, All right. Yeah. 45 points I, that's per game. 45 is like, that's fake that's, news. That's national it's championship unreal. caliber that's points true. per game. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what ESPN's doing to screw that up. But, <laughs> yeah. And so, 2019, if, if you want, what did you get yeah, in 2019 with uh, your non ESPN uh, source? Uh, 35. Yeah, that's what so I we actually. Too. Yeah, okay. So, so you know, in 2018, 2019, we were scoring 10 points per game more on average than we than we did this year. I mean, that's- remember we hated Ricky Ronnie. Why do we hate Ricky? What? Like, wow, the grass is, has been so not greener on this other side. I Holy Ricky, moly! I apologize. Lord, formally, I formally rescind my hatred points of per you. Game. According to this, it was 27.7 points per game last year, and this year has been. Um, Oh man, just what? Oh, man, we are just twenty-five points per game. It's yeah, just I, it, even. It's, you can't win. I mean, unless unless you have a strategy like Iowa, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what Iowa's points per game were this year, but like their their whole team strategy is around um, robbing you of possession. You know, they punt They're the ball a lot than we are. <laughs> they, you know, and like again, like those those fourth down calls and things like that. Like part of the reason why Kirk Ferenz doesn't put the ball on the fifty yard line, he, you know, uh, he doesn't risk a fourth and one at the fifty to give you the ball is because he wants to put you on the 
four yard line yeah. and make you drive the field and you know it's, eat up ten minutes a clock just for you to get a field goal. He'll do it's that all crazy day. how much I miss the ability of our teams of old, like the Joe Paterno offenses, to have a competent power running attack. You know, it's just weird and crazy how much back then I would have been like, oh, it's fun to see all these other teams lighten it up and throwing it deep. And it's like, it's like, well, when the, when you don't have the other things outside of, you know, lighting it up and throwing it deep, when the, when you're not consistent outside of that, you're not a good football team. Yeah. Yeah. You're just not. I mean, and, you know, make of it what you will. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Yurcich, you know, it, you know, he's very well may get himself fired trying to get a run game going <laughs> or he'll you know, die trying i thought th- yeah that's what was that that was his quote and and um oddly enough it felt like we had something going in the run game and went away from it against arkansas so i don't know what it's that like was he's about. not it's like he's it, like maybe they just didn't care about winning this game and they just wanted to like shore up some Try deficiencies stuff. to go off Who knows? you know into the you know off season with you know some experience that you know we're not seeing but back to the know. offense like but you, you play know, as, to win the game. As long as f- this is going to be Franklin's philosophy, I mean, and part of what we were talking about with Iowa is complementary football. Like the mm-hmm. entire football philosophy is is working together. And right now, on the offensive side, it's they they're not doing their part. Now we're not trying to be Iowa, by the way. Like no, no, like no, no, Iowa. No. I, Iowa is I, sad I offensively in a lot of respects. And, I'm just using that fan, as like their whole a... fan base is like <laughs> fire Brian Ferentz, the the head coach's son. We need a, a modern offense immediately. So yeah, I don't want so, to be Iowa. I'm just I'm using that as like yeah, an example yeah. of how the offense and defense complement each other and work together to win games mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like the offense their job is to get explosive plays and score a lot of points and for the last two years they have not done yeah. that at all yeah and and so i think you know i mean I, and i know franklin brought in mike gersich to try to correct that it obviously didn't correct it this year is it going to be corrected next year i don't know and, and like so I, I have two questions here for you bro on the offense number one does it all come down to the quarterback and not having a quarterback who can run effectively and successfully run the system to score enough points? Number two, I don't know if this is related or not, is uh, here you go two years later, knowing everything that you know now, and you have a choice to have Kirk Sharaka or Mike Yursich as your offensive coordinator. Who do you really want at this point? I mean, I'm not saying I want either. (laughs) You know, I'm not. Now but I want. The, I guess what I'm I saying is, Mike Yursich. I want the Yursich of of Oklahoma State yes. years. I want the Kirk Sharaka of the great year uh, in 2019 where Tanner he beat Morgan. us, yeah. and 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 we didn't get either of those guys. Yeah, and why and, and not? So what the heck? Which I don't know. Is it's like is Franklin pulling strings the wrong way when they get these guys mm, in? Yep. Right. I don't know. I'm pushing like, them in the wrong like, direction. Is Franklin the the guy? That's that's mucking it all up. It I mean, certainly seems like a common denominator, but Joe Moore was like, able to make it work uh, right. to a degree. Well, you know, you know who else is the common denominator? Uh, Clifford. Yeah. Right. The last, at least for these last two seasons. That's what I'm saying. He's yeah, the yeah, common yeah. denominator between Shiraka and Yursich. 
episodes, Clifford and Franklin. So we need to fire <laughs> both of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it is. It's it's really uh, I, the word I would use is vexing. It's really yeah. vexing. Um, and and yeah, yeah. Listen, listen. I, let's just put it this way: if we if Clifford starts an entire another season for us, oh start the back. And I'm not here to knock the guy personally, but I mean, I just it is very difficult to see him take a monumental leap forward as a quarterback developmentally. Can he pick at anyone? I mean, <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, no one. He's not Kenny Pickett. He's not Joe Burrow. He's not either of those guys. Yeah. He just isn't. You know, even with uh, uh, Jahan Dotson, but both these years, as he's become an elite, you know, wide receiver, we have not been able to unlock some sort of next level of offense through Clifford. So if 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 we're going to give this guy an entire another season to just cross our fingers, I don't see positive results beyond you know you know not having a like. Will he win us? Um, will we have a winning season? Maybe. Could he have a losing season? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I, you know, like, would you rather? Yeah. I mean, would you rather have a losing season with Sean Clifford rather, or a losing season with Drew Alar? And like, maybe you don't want Drew Alar to have to suffer through that. But like, in the grand scheme of things, you know, you'd. I mean, to Terry me, Terry Collins suffered through some bad seasons on on his way. Yeah. To being a great. You know, Penn State I would say get Drew Alar out there. I would rather see Clifford, you know, lose in ga- game one to Purdue, and then you give Drew Alar the second. Okay, first you know, of all, g- first game. of all, I'm not, so you're not saying we go undefeated, but <laughs> no, I, I don't want to give no, away. That's not what I, I said. Don't want to give away what the I game said. to Purdue. That's not what I said. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying we're not going undefeated. We are definitely going undefeated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But you know, I just I'd rather see develop developing the freshmen on the field, uh, you know, in battle, you know, sh- iron sharpens iron. So like, get him out there, get him game experience, and if because if he's going to leave after his junior year, you're only going to get two seasons with him if you just redshirt him all year. Yeah, yeah. I, you know? I I I I mean, unless Drew Alar is obviously unready. And and you'd hope he'd get ready through the season. I ju- I agree with you. I just don't see, I don't see that Sean stallion. Clifford. I don't see Sean Clifford getting you there. And and again, everything I hear about the this young man is that he's he's every everything you want in a in a young man. You know he he's got Clifford's great leadership, the old trusty, great integrity. Horse. You know, great work ethic, great sense of team. You know, but. You know, major college football. You also need someone who's going to execute on the field, and he's been given a lot of opportunities to do that. And and in those most critical moments, he just really he's made mistakes as often as he's as he's made the the plays. And he's he's not reliable. Yeah, exactly. that's what that's it is. It. That's like it. maybe maybe he's capable of giving you a, a stellar performance, but you cannot count on that week in yeah, and week out from him. And and so you know, I think what I think what you get. With Sean Clifford coming back, you know the 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 positive of it is you know unlike with um, I would say Trace McSorley, unlike with you know Sean Clifford and, and Well Levis, is you've you've got a backup quarterback that you don't worry about if he needs to come in in the game. You know, like I, I think 
Sean Clifford will easily be the best backup quarterback we've had in a long, long time. And you can see how if you're really if you're really going for it in college football, you're going to need to have, or even in pro football, you know, you know you're, you're going to have to have a backup quarterback that can win you games. And Sean Clifford can do that. He has announced that he's coming back to Penn State. Like, I'm coming back to Penn State, which, you know, Will Levis announced, you know, before, the, you know, this past season that he is leaving Penn State. You know, Tommy Stevens announced before spring practice, spring pra- actually, Tommy Stevens announced after spring practices that he's leaving Penn State. So it, it's interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what Franklin ends up telling these guys after spring practice about where they stand. Yeah, like, and does that like change if, Sean if, Clifford's if, perspective? On, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, mm-hmm. if because if, because everybody complained that Franklin was too honest with these quarterbacks. That and ended by the up way, leaving I, us. I, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah, go ahead. He is too honest with these backup quarterbacks. That that's the reason why they left Penn State because he's like, hey, you know, we're going with guy, our guy Clifford, and it's like, well, holy crap, what is that? So think about this: if he like tells Drew Lar, hey, I'm going Clifford. Is Drew Allard going to leave after his yeah. freshman yeah. spring semester, uh, or or is Sean Clifford going to transfer to get his last year of eligibility with well? With the, with and the team? are those same dynamics in play with the running backs for that matter? You know where you I, know, unlike a, unlike a, a quarterback where you only really have one guy like. You can have multiple running backs, but guess what? That hasn't felt great for Penn State either. And like, no, it's been horrible. Are the they, committee <laughs> approach has been horrible for two and years. And are they? Are they? You know, are they doing that to try to keep guys on the roster and keep them from opting out or to or our own team's detriment? You know, yeah, but maybe. like again, um, it's t- this is tough stuff to manage. I think, especially in the in the portal, the days of transfer portal and things like that. And um, you know. Also, you want guys to feel good about you as a coach, and good, you know, it, it's well. That's it, kind it, of been part of the the question about Franklin, and a yeah. little bit of a knock on Franklin is like, well, what kind of coach is he trying to be? Is he trying to be a coach who all his players like, but he's not squeezing the most out of them from a from a competitive or athletic yeah. or or yeah. developmental standpoint? Because it, it if that is true. You know, then you're leaving. You're not. You're doing them a disservice to a certain extent, just so they can, so everybody can all be friends and be, have a good relationships. Franklin's, Franklin's a relationships guy, right? But is he a development guy? I think you know you can make the claim that Franklin's not a big development guy, even though we've had lots of players going on to the NFL. I think those players that go to the NFL strictly more so from a, a projectional standpoint of what they're gonna do, not because they're a finished product at Penn State. You know, they're just so good either already when they got here or they're being projected to get better in the NFL under different tutelage, right? Yeah, I, you can't coach. You can't coach Mike Parsons, Micah Parsons speed. You can't coach um, uh, Jason Owe's get off the ball. You cannot right, coach right, the exactly. way Jahan Dotson catches the catches those balls. Okay, right. but from a schematic coaching standpoint, he's not getting the most out of these players. And also from a, from a, from a, maybe from from a motivation standpoint, from a motivational and urgency standpoint in games. We are not getting it done in close games, so that's not doing the players a a, a service of of hey, you're on a 500 ball ball you know ball program here ball club, uh, and I, I hope you I hope you, you, you these players all love their teammates and love their coaches. They talk about it all the time. 
Yeah. That's great. No, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. But are you also doing part, the probably, other probably hard part stuff of why they get part of probably part of why they get such a high recruiting class is that people know that players love being here and it's a great atmosphere. But at the end of the day, you also got to have a, a winning program. You know, and getting back to to like I was comparing Clifford and and Franklin and their and their trajectories as uh, a quarterback and a coach, like like. In order for Clifford to have gotten better, he would have already had to have done it, and he would have already he would have had to like, you know, actually do the hard work to make himself better for the, for in the in game product. The exact same thing can be said for Franklin. Like, what yeah. has been his arc of of growth um, and development as a coach? We haven't seen him shoring up his deficiencies at all. Mm-hmm. You know, coaches are supposed to get better. Nick Saban wasn't a championship coach at Michigan State. You know, he wasn't winning national championships at Michigan State. He had to get better year in and year out and 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 you know, <laughs> figure it out along the it's way. Like that, it's like and, that Keenan Thompson that Keenan Thompson bit on SNL. Just fix it. Yeah, <laughs> just fix it. Fix it, Franklin. Yeah, your all your problems you need to fix. Yeah. Fix it. <laughs> Fix it. <laughs> Look, um, we're we're coming into the end uh, of the podcast episode here. Podcast season here. We're and, ranters. We're and, we rant. Yeah, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk about <laughs> the, the the defense with Manny Diaz. I, I I'm looking forward to seeing how that looks. I'm not that worried about it. I'm excited about it. In fact, um, so you know, before we just sort of leave the state of of, of Penn State, I want to just give you one moment, bro, to just you know, capture your overall sense of where the program is. Are you, are you hopeful? Are you concerned? I mean, I'm always, I'm always hopeful to a degree. <laughs> I mean, I am, I am. You like a hopeful Cubs fan, to... hopeful? Like, you're... <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have to be. That's that's what fandom is. Unless you're going to just totally turn your back on your team, right? But I don't have a, a warm feeling about the direction of the program right now from a wins and losses standpoint. Like I don't feel like Penn State's going to bounce back and go 10 and 2 or 11 and 1 or even maybe, you know, 10 and 3 if they win a bowl game next year. I I don't feel like that's where we're going because the, the quarterback situation with Clifford and, you know, the offensive line situation and just an overall like what the hell is going on with a run game, you know, I, I don't have a warm feeling about that. Yeah. So, uh, however, I'll always remain optimistic. You know, talk to me in spring or talk to me in summer. I, you know, I still have a bad taste in my mouth from the bowl game, sadly. Um, I, I'm excited to see how some of our Penn Staters are going to do in the playoffs. I'm excited to hear about how off-season workouts are going to go and and, uh, and winter workouts and and preseason, excuse me, spring season is going to go. Talk to me after I I can truly wash this bowl game out of my mouth and wash this season out of my mouth more so. Yeah, I can see myself being excited in the fall for what. Will oh, come I mean, I'm going to be feeling, excited and feeling really optimistic. Uh, you know, I would say at this point. I am concerned. I'm concerned. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, it, yeah. It, we, Same. you know, we're not going in the right direction um, from from a metric standpoint. We're not, you know, this was a year to to have a turnaround type of season, and it just wasn't that. You know, there were a I'm lot of opportunities for yeah. it, and we and we just missed those opportunities. And you know, again, a lot of uh, 
you know, snatching defeat from the jaws of victory uh, throughout the season. It, it was, it, you know, it was disheartening in that sense. And think- um, at the same time, you know, do I think that Franklin is capable of getting us back to where we were in that four-year stretch of 2016 to 2019? Yeah, I do believe he's capable. And and if he is capable, can this next year, 2022, be a year that we get back on the horse and get a nine or 10 win season? I do. I think it's possible. But I, I also feel like the trajectory is the wrong one and there needs to be some urgency in urgency. spite of that in spite of that 10 year contract which you know concerns me um that it's a nice lush 10 year contract it definitely doesn't help with urgency but i i think that could be a hot seat year for I think it James is absolutely Franklin. a hot seat year. You know, uh, we've got a, we've got a new president. Um, you know, Sandy Barber's uh, contract is is going to be up in 2023. It very much could be a year where where you know the Penn State administration and trustees are taking a good hard look at you know at whether Franklin's time has sort of come and gone. Um, right at, after that fat contract, perfect. Yeah, it's just unusual and odd in that way. But but again, I mean, I think that also conveys a lot of belief that that for everything we're seeing on the field, the fundamentals of what kind of coach Franklin is is still is still good. I think the the recruiting class, to Joel's point, you know, that question of of can we can that be a source of hope? It really should be. You know, if you don't have something to offer recruits, they're not going to show up. So it's a good sign. But um, we're going to have to see it on the field in more ways than one. Yeah, I mean, if if you're going to be optimistic right now, it's because you're going to see some some of this uh, early, these early enrollees from this mega class uh, that are you know uh, going to hopefully be hitting the field in this in the fall. That's where your optimism lies. You know, Drew Alar, Bo Perbula, Nick Singleton. By the way, Nick Singleton, uh, recruited by Jaywan Sider. Jaywan Sider was rumored to have been being interviewed for OC jobs at Florida State and Florida. Opted to stay at Penn State. Yeah, that's a good I mean, sign. maybe you're thinking if he's thinking, oh, I got the next Saquon Barkley, Nick Singleton here, and I want to that's coach true. this guy a little bit. Yeah. So, so who who knows? Maybe those guys going to be instant contributors and instant impact stars, and those that's where maybe some optimism can be coming from. Well, um, we shall see soon enough. Uh, the off season is always a a dark time for me. I know it is for you because you just you know you miss the the excitement and joy of watching Penn State play. Not as much of a joy. What, this you, year what are you going to be doing? What are you yeah. going to be doing in the off season? Yeah, um, I, I'm really excited. This is going to be a year for me. I'm taking a sabbatical this year. I've uh, been here at my church for um, eight years. It'll be nine years this next fall. So taking a sabbatical, three months off uh, over the summer months. My family and I are going to travel, um, look to to have some renewal and refreshment. And um, yeah, so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I'm excited. And um how about you, man? What you you got some big plans as well, as far as I know. I do, I do. I uh, and now that I'm back from Mexico, I'm all hands on deck with diet, exercise, um, realigning um, some big projects. Um, with kind of, uh, I haven't had like a. I know, I know. I always say like, hey, I'm going to go on a hike, going on a hike, but I haven't had a really, really big year in a while. And I the big years used to be my staple for like the first six years of, of me living this kind of lifestyle of being a long distance backpacker. Um, I'm in. Cor- 
incorporating a new mode of travel this year. I'm I'm getting on a bike and I'm bike packing from Mexico to Canada through Arizona, uh, Utah, Idaho, and Montana, and then I'm s- swapping out my um, my bike for uh, a backpack, and I'll be returning back to Mexico from Canada on the Continental Divide Trail, and I'll be uh, the, the route I'll be taking on the bike packing trip is called the Western Wildlands Route. It'll roughly be about six thousand mile um, big loop that I'll be doing, connecting the those two routes, and it's, I'll start sometime in late April and probably finish sometime after Penn State starts their season. So we're going to have some interesting hurdles for, for uh, recording a Blue and White Brothers because I'll be uh, I'll be on foot on the Continental Divide Trail hiking from uh, Canada to Mexico. Yeah, we'll get you a sat phone and uh, you know <laughs> dial you in that way. Um, but no, I mean, we, we are planning to be back again next year. Um, you know, we'll, similar to this year, I think, you know, our hard plans would be to uh, start up sometime in August with a few weeks before the season and uh, we'll try to communicate with you via social media and um, other ways to, to let you know what's coming and, and you know, certainly uh, keep us as one of your podcasts uh, that you follow and, uh, you know, when we drop that first episode for uh, the next Penn State season. You'll you'll see us uh, outside chance. We might drop one, you know, sort of in the off season. No commitments, but uh, uh, Tom's been needling me on that, and uh, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll see if anything comes together. But um, you know, if nothing else, we'll plan to see you guys in August. Really want to say thank you for sticking with us. Um, really, really glad you're still um, still listening after these two seasons. We think the best is yet ahead for the Blue and White Brothers, and. Um, if you'd like to let us know what you think, uh, share suggestions or comments, please don't hesitate to send us an email, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. Please rate and review us on your podcast uh, app, whatever you use to, to listen to us. That'd be very helpful as well. Yeah. Uh, bro, it's been great. You did? And as always, it always starts with I love you. It always starts with I love you. And it ends with I love you. I love you, bro. I love you too, bro. Uh, Thanks for hanging in. Uh, We'll see you all next season. We are Penn State. Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. All right, we did it. Thanks, man. (laughs) I got to run. All right. I got to pee.